0: Welcome back to the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. This is episode number two. I'm Chad Noonan. We have another double bill of comedy interviews for you. Uh, In a bit, I'm going to speak to Canadian actor, comedian, producer, Tim Progrosh. Tim is the driving force behind the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. Uh, I actually just had a meeting with Tim, and I got a glimpse at who's going to be on the nominee list for the Hall of Fame. It was very exciting. I can't share any of the details, but uh, some of the names are big, some of the names you might not have heard of before, um, but they're all exciting entertainers, comedians, people that work in the industry. And it's really cool is this nominee list you can vote on. You have the opportunity to decide who gets into the hall by going to CanadianComedyHall.com very simple go to the website click on the banner at the top of the page it says sign up now and then you become a lifetime founding member of the Hall of Fame for just $25 all kinds of great perks but the big one is you get a chance to vote on who enters the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame before i get to tim i had the amazing opportunity to speak to rob cohen if you've watched tv in the past 25 years chances are you've seen something written by canadian rob cohen rob has written for the simpsons mad tv he's won an emmy for his writing on the ben stiller show he's produced the big bang theory marin according to jim countless other comedies in 2015 rob released the documentary being canadian where over the course of a cross-country journey he explored what it means to be canadian and that documentary is currently on cbc gem where you can watch it for free rob recently directed four episodes of the new hbo show somebody somewhere which is airing right now it was super cool that he gave me the time uh he gave me about a half hour and we had a great conversation all things canadian comedy so enjoy that conversation right now with the amazing Rob Cohen. So my first question is actually, it's a fan question and it's from Cameron Hughes um, from Ottawa. And he wants to know why he wasn't in your documentary.
1: Well, the goal of the documentary was to have people that have any level of talent whatsoever. Right. And so if that wasn't a filter, I don't know what would be, but um, Cameron actually warmed up the crowd um when we had our world premiere at Hot Docs in Toronto and uh so i felt that was a way to have him involved where he got uh we sold out um the bluer theater and uh he blew the roof off the place so he 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 was our hype man
0: i've never i've i've seen him perform i've seen him at hockey games before yep. live i've never seen him not blow off like the guys yeah the best the best uh good bad dancer i've ever seen 100%
1: yeah. and he's he's a man mountain, and he he you love how horrible he is.
0: Oh, you just yeah, and the the confidence, the yes. confidence. Of oh that yes, is just, I am envious of his confidence. Hundred uh, percent,
1: insane. It's almost uh, American in its level of confidence.
0: It is. It is almost there. Yeah, yep. it is almost there. Um, so you're from Calgary. Yep. Uh, you and your brother both both in in comedy, right? You both won Emmys actually for for comedy writing, which is. Yeah, just pretty insane. So what were you guys like? What was the influences in in your household growing up uh, to to start this career path?
1: Well, the honest answer is there's three of us. Um, I'm the oldest. Our brother Mark lives in Vancouver. And then Joel lives down in Los Angeles, works on the Simpsons. And weirdly, we were not exposed to any showbiz stuff growing up at all besides watching a lot of TV and loving it. And I love Monty Python albums and Cheech and Chong and Steve Martin and uh, just all the nerdy stuff, but we had zero exposure to any showbiz related anything. And um, uh, you know, I won't bore you with the, the long boring stories, but we, Joel and I both sort of fluked into working in show business. So uh, it was not a an intended goal. It was sort of a result.
0: What, what was your first kind of writing gig or your first foray into
1: uh show uh, I again compressing a very long story. I was working all sorts of terrible non-showbiz jobs and ended up getting a job as a production assistant, a PA on the Tracy Ellman show. Okay. Uh on Fox, the sketch show. And that was in the late 80s. And um that was the first time I was exposed to anything. And um, you know, saw immediately like there were the writer's room and you know, the post-production suite and, and being on the floor for production. And it completely, you know, blew my mind because I was exposed to this world and uh, everybody was so nice. And uh, my first writing gig was actually um, secretly writing jokes for the writers because I wanted them to go home so I could clean up. um and uh eventually was just so frustrated i slipped a few jokes to some of the writers who were so nice to not fire me right uh and they used one and i was like great now i get to clean up and go home and then i just kind of was curious and just taught myself how to write scripts and pitch stuff and that's how it started
0: and, and then that's where the Simpsons came from, right? Tracy Allman shows like where yeah. that, that original
1: sketch. Yeah. They were, they were interstitials on the Tracy Allman show. And then that Tracy Allman got canceled and this, they took the bulk of the writers from Tracy Allman over to the Simpsons. And so I ended up being a PA on the Simpsons because they moved the production staff. So it, it was sort of exact same offices, different show.
0: Yeah. Um, in your documentary, and, and speaking of writers' rooms, you mention uh that moment in the writer's room when everybody finds out you're Canadian, or it's right. you know, like I'm and the all the heads turn, right? Um, and look at you. You get treated differently after that point. Like, what is that? Oh, yeah. Girl? Oh my god.
1: Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. It's because I I look American, I I mostly sound American, uh, and you're in this room and you have Uh, references you know planet of the apes references and abraham lincoln all the comedy tropes and then if i say sorry or borrow or uh, i say grade six or something they're like huh
0: you mean middle school
1: uh yeah exactly if i say anything that you they just pause and then you can see their brain trying to figure out what is happening because they feel betrayed and Suddenly, like, are you from Canada? And I say <laughs> yes, and it's like a, a soap opera—a a soap opera where they just—they're freaking out. Like, oh, I didn't know you're Canadian. Like, what? They—they're trying to process it, and uh, it happens almost to every Canadian writer I know, and it's happened to me numerous times where they just everything stops, and they can't believe that I've been sitting there keeping this horrible secret, which I haven't. They just nobody was interested enough to ask.
0: Nobody asked you. No, they don't um, care. It's like when you, as a Canadian, when I'm traveling through the States or, right. I mean, one story, I was at Disney World right before the pandemic and somebody was talking about Deadpool and Ryan Reynolds behind, and I couldn't help yep. but turn to them and say, he's Canadian. Like, yep. tell, like, it's just this thing inside of us. Um, so they feel betrayed and we feel obliged to say, everyone who's Canadian everyone who exactly because we have to
1: legitimize ourselves and that's so funny that you say that because i i wouldn't call it an argument but in one of the writers rooms we were talking about origins of uh superheroes Mm -hmm. and i just casually said yeah and wolverine's canadian and everybody's like he's "He's from alberta yeah Yeah. and i and they're like no he isn't i go he is and we had the internet but nobody wanted to look it up and they thought that i was saying something horrible about their grandmother or something i was like what is the problem with, and then I immediately went on the defensive where it's like, he is Canadian, but you know, there are other Canadian superheroes and then they wouldn't accept that. So it's just, you, you're, there's a, there's a feeling, I think generally, especially with Americans that they've created all the great stuff in the world. And then Canadians go to that position where it's like, well, we invented the telephone or we invented the, this, or we invented this the zipper, and they just,
0: the zippers are the zipper. Yes.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, the light bulb. Yeah. Um, you know, like they, I, I think they never think of Canada as anything. And then right. when you say we did something, it's like, but how you're nothing. I never think of you.
0: We have this array, awesome talent of Canadian comedians, comedy writers who have flooded into the States. I, I think it was you who said again, in your documentary that, it uh, that American British influence, it might've been Mike Myers though, um, Mm -hmm. has, has, which kind of fuels that. Can you talk a little bit about that? We get kind of everything. We get all the different influences where Americans are just getting that one, uh, central stream of product or television or movies.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, this is just a theory, but it came up a lot in the documentary where Canada is an I love Canada. It's an amazing country. And one of the amazing things is that we are technically uh, in between Britain and the U.S., and obviously the U.S. took themselves away from Britain, but we have the, the dryness and the absurdity of British humor and British sensibilities, coupled with sort of the broadness of American sensibilities. And certainly Quebec loves more broad... Slapstick stuff than other places in Canada. But I think the amazing thing with Canada is we are absorbing and observing the US, and we're almost them, but we're not. But we have that same dry, proper silliness that Britain has that the US Mm -hmm. doesn't naturally have. And so it blends in this incredible mixture of self deprecation and uh, silliness and parody. And I think it's just the best recipe. And that, that has grown the, again, pound for pound, the greatest uh, gross national product of any country ever, as far as comedy.
0: Oh, it's a, 30 million people and, and so many, you know, we're such a small uh, footprint, Yeah, such a huge footprint on the, on the, comedy, oh, on it's the insane. comedy side of, th- side of things. Um, you worked with a, with a lot of legends, Canadian legends, and, and speaking of that American influence, when I was growing up, uh, my parents got an American satellite dish. Now, if right. everyone is listening from the States, there was you could get the Canadian satellite dish, or you could get the big American satellite dish where you would get all the channels from the States. And I got Nickelodeon. right? Um, so I had Nick at night. And I remember watching the Gong Show, the yep. old Gong Show. And then you brought it back with... Uh, Mike Myers. What, what was working with Mike? Like he was playing a character the whole time in that show. I, I think a lot of people didn't even know it was him, but, um, such a Canadian legend.
1: Yeah. And, uh, and what, uh, people may or may not know is that show was actually produced by Will Arnett, okay. another incredible Canadian. Yeah. And, yeah. um, so, uh, it was a, a great opportunity to work with two fantastic people that are, brilliant and and the three of us would just sit there and you know nerd out and I would bring in arrow bars or eat mores or whatever and um <laughs> you know the rest of the people on the stage had no idea why we were going crazy for these weird potato chips and uh you know I think it was I, I've just been so fortunate to um being able to work with great people across the board and especially when they're Canadian um it it gives you such a good shorthand because you're almost immediately accepted, um, but you have like a shorthand. I, I'm I'm working. My brother and I are actually working on something with Will Arnett now that we're hoping will go. But it was the, it was the greatest initial conversation because we immediately all understood what we were talking about. Yeah, and were immediately enthusiastic because it was something we all knew. And um, he's just also the greatest guy in the world. So um, it's been, I've been, just feel very lucky to work with any of these people. Americans or Canadians, but the Canadians, there's always like a- Connection. Yeah, there's a connection, but I I do believe it's, every country may have it, but I really think that Canadians have, um, there's a special energy or whatever you want to call it that um, with very rare exceptions, it it bonds you uh with um uh there's a warmth to it that mm-hmm. uh, I, that it, it's just great uh I just it's so especially down here because we are this weird little pod down here
0: um when when I started getting into comedy and and, and watching comedy I'm not a comedian but I, I I love watching it and and Saturday Night Live was obviously huge the first Saturday Night Live Um, episode i ever saw was the phil hartman best of yeah um and i know phil was he was doing some voices on the simpsons when you were there Um, did you get a a chance to run into him at all or or, or interact with with phil
1: yeah the weird thing is i actually met him when i did a guest writer stint at saturday night live um in 1993 and uh, that was the first time i met him but it was a very challenging environment to work in and uh (laughs) Uh, I'll leave that up to anybody's imagination, but yep. um, I was my first night. Um, I was, you know, you you would write all night and into the morning, and I was trying to just get my sea legs, and went into the men's room, and I was just trying to kind of get my brains around what was going on. And the door opened up, and it was Phil Hartman, and he he stood next to me at the urinal, and he was so nice, and we had the loveliest conversation while peeing, <laughs> and. And uh, I think the Canadian thing really helped, but he was so kind. Did he know and you were a
0: Canadian at that point? He, he knew I was a Canadian okay. because somebody okay. had
1: mentioned it. Yeah. Um, and But we stood there like peeing. And then when we were done peeing, we just kept standing in the pee position. Right. And, yeah. and it was the, the only lengthy conversation I had with him, but it was all standing up in a men's room. And he was so cool and exactly what people think and so generous. And, um, I, I entered the bathroom in terror and I left in a very, uh, calm state of Zen.
0: That's kind of, uh, that's the ultimate Canadian way, right? Make totally you feel at ease when you're, when you're standing next exactly. to at
1: the urinal. Exactly.
0: Yeah. He just had this like way about him, which, um, he wasn't like the goofy comedian, but he was so, so strong, um, yeah. on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. I also, was-
1: I, I would say about him, uh, and I'm not claiming that I knew him. I only had a, f- a few encounters with him he was so elegant because he was very confident in his abilities, but also so relaxed. Like just, mm-hmm. it was just so calming watching somebody who's such a pro just knock it out of the park. Like anything he did, he would just knock it out of the park.
0: There's this, there's this new show called uh, last one laughing Canada. And it has all these big Canadian uh, comedians in it. Colin mockeries. Mm-hmm. Um, on it, K. Trevor Wilson, all, all these people. And, and basically the show, the premise of the show is the last comedian laughing wins a bunch of money for a charity. You've worked with some, I mean, some of my favorites, Maria Bamford, yeah. David Cross, like yeah. absolute heavyweights. So I love listening to. Um, is there any Who's the one person, if you're like guaranteed to make someone laugh, it's this comedian.
1: Honestly, if I had to pick my top, I would have to say it's a tie. Like my top three would be- okay. Maria Bamford, absolute genius. Yeah. Uh, Dana Gould uh, and David Tell. I would say, um, just do you know who David Tell is?
0: Yeah, David Tell, the bumping mic special he yes, did with exactly. Jeff Ross is, is yes. great. Yeah. Yes.
1: I would say those guys are just consistent, hilarious, silly, brilliant people. And David Cross, known him forever, a genius. Um, but I, I would say, you know, like Maria Dana and, and David Tell.
0: We have a lot of heavyweights in the Hall of Fame.
1: John Candy, Rich
0: Little, uh, like I mentioned, the Air Force. Who do you think? Coming up 2022, do you have any ideas of, of maybe who you think should, should be the next step in the Hall? Maybe you have a few names that you would kind of put forward and nominate?
1: Yeah, I don't know who's, who's already in the whole list, but I would say um, Will Arnett for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm assuming Jim Carrey is, is already in, or is about. to. He's not in. in, he's not in
0: yet, but that's definitely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I would say Jim Carrey for sure. Um, I would say Catherine O'Hara, Martin Short, anybody that was in SCTV, the, the greatest sketch of all time. Um, absolutely. Uh, David Steinberg kids in the hall. I would say, you know, it sounds like people I would have mentioned like Royal Canadian air force are already in, um, but I would say you must get SCTV. You must have a representation from kids in the hall. Um, there's just, you know, uh, that, that would be my first ballot. Howie Mandel, um, just great people.
0: Yeah, I like the whole, I like the idea of the whole ensemble, yeah. right? Going in. Yeah, and, and why not? Why can't that happen, right? Totally they are, it's,
1: the, it's the greatest sketch show of all time. Monty Python, a very close second, but SCTV, number one
0: who came out of that show is, is just, is mind blowing, you know, where, yeah, yeah, it's Martin short. Like you said, Eugene Levy. um, Mm -hmm. It's, it's crazy. So right now you're working on, I I actually watched the first episode. Um, I don't, you didn't direct the first one of somebody somewhere.
1: No, I did four of them, but I did not do the pilot.
0: You did the one, I think that aired last night, right? I I haven't had a chance to see that. Great. great, Like the first episode blew me away. Bridget Everett, um, who I've, watch for a long time like seen her i'm glad to see that she's you know this shows out with her as the the lead yeah Uh, she's incredible
1: how did that come about um i met bridget when i was doing lady dynamite with maria bamford and Mm -hmm. um we hit it off and uh had sort of minimal contact with her since lady dynamite ended and then um still dealing with marie all the time i did her comedy special and i'm going to do the next one and uh then i got an invitation like a year ago from now uh from bridget and uh, the creators paul and hannah if uh if i wanted to have a meeting on it um and so we had a zoom and nothing was guaranteed and bridget and i reconnected and um you know I guess, uh, they, they liked whatever BS I was spinning, but, (laughs) um, they were just so cool. And I, I've always loved Bridget and, um, was so excited. She had a show that, uh, after a couple more meetings, uh, they asked me if I wanted to do a bunch of them and I was thrilled and we shot them all in Illinois this past or last spring. Um, it was doubling for Kansas, uh, but it was great. It was, it was genuinely the, the most, um, warm and positive environment that as a director, I've ever been involved in. And, and I'm such a super fan of Bridget's that she just, she crushes it in the show. The show is just getting rolling, but she's, she's unbelievable. The stuff that she does.
0: Her acting like in a, um, I mean, she's playing such a different character than what she does on stage. Um, Yeah, so I first episode I was I was blown away by it. Um, I think like probably every interview you do, people bring up the Millhouse thing. Yeah, um, and I'm not going to do that directly, um, but you are the physical representation of Millhouse. You are the person who they base the character off
1: hmm. physically.
0: Did Millhouse get any of your other character traits, or is there any Canadian character traits that maybe Millhouse got from you?
1: Well, you're being very generous. Um, what happened with millhouse was I was told that I was millhouse after they'd secretly modeled millhouse on me. Um, so I have a big nose. I have weird hair. As you can see, I have glasses. I used to wear only shorts and t-shirts. Um, I'm actually wearing shorts and t-shirts right now. So I guess that backs up my claim. Um, but no, I don't think he has any Canadian traits. They've, they've done that on the show because they've had so many Canadian writers there. Um, like Homer, wanting to watch the CFL draft. And, uh, you know, they've done the Toronto show. And um, so there's nothing through Millhouse. But I, I know other Canadian stuff is infused that show. And I know the American writers are obsessed with Canada. So they view it as either a punching bag or a very smart way to sneak some jokes in.
0: We like to be the punching bag sometimes. Of course. Though, don't it's we? Attention. We, we like, yeah, we need that attention. Um, of course. Yeah. Especially from our, our big brothers to the South. Yeah. We don't um, want the
1: spotlight yet. We want the spotlight. Exactly.
0: Uh, thanks a lot, Rob, for, for jumping on with me for a few minutes. I, I really appreciate it. I encourage everybody to go see somebody somewhere, um, wherever you can watch it. It's on HBO uh, max, uh, right
1: all the HBOs. Yeah.
0: All the HBO, every HBO, every HBO,
1: um, HBO, regular HBO max, HBO two, yeah. Um,
0: yeah so it's it's great uh i know your episodes are coming up the one you've directed so uh people will be, will be happy to see that all over canada so thanks again rob really appreciate it
1: anything you need i'm happy to do it good luck well, big thanks
0: again to rob for coming on the podcast rob would absolutely hate that i'm saying this but he is a canadian comedy legend in his own right. think about it the simpsons the big bang theory all these shows that he's produced and written for absolute legend thanks again to rob I appreciate it so much And please go check out Being Canadian. It is a feel-good, patriotic documentary that everybody should watch. And and again, it's on CBC Gem right now. My next guest is an actor, writer, producer. Uh, He's worked in the industry for over 30 years. He's been on shows like Shits Creek, uh, Kim's Convenience. He was in the Academy Award-winning Spotlight. Um, All kinds of great stuff. He's produced hundreds of hours of television for CMT, CBC, and the Comedy Network. He is also the driving force behind the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame as the creator and an executive director and board member. We had a great conversation. Always have a great time talking to Tim about everything Canadian comedy. He's taught me so much over the past few months about the history of Canadian comedy and what it means to preserve this comedy legacy. So here it is, my conversation with Tim Progosh on the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. Um, your scene, I, I don't think I've told you this, in American Gods oh, yeah. is one of my favorite. And I, I didn't know you before. Like I watched that show probably at the start of pandemic. I yeah. love the show. I'm mad it didn't go on further, but I, your scene was like, and then when I, I think I went on your IMDb at one point, point. I was like, oh my God, yes, that is one of my favorite scenes. I talk about it all the time. Well, I it was interesting.
2: I, I auditioned for another part in, in um, another show about yeah. a starring role. And I didn't get it. And they phoned me, like not just my agent, they phoned me and said, Look, it's going to Bill bro- Murray, Bill Murray's thing. He got the role. <laughs> it's such a fantastic audition. Would you come and be part of like one of our openings? It took two days, 18 hour days just to do that scene. It was the biggest, aside from a, a movie, the Matt Damon movies, the Born Ultimatum, but girl loses her memory. Like, long kiss night. that was a big thing was in the 417 they blew up part of it before it was open and cameras this they had at least eight or nine cameras they had set they had this foundry and it's like it's
0: epic it was yeah it was such a cool the music too was just like perfect i loved it tim you're the executive director of the canadian comedy hall of fame where did this notion come from where did you Uh, get the information where did it all start where you thought I need to create the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame
2: good question (laughs) Um, I think originally um, I opened my first comedy club in 1982 I started this uh, club in Ottawa uh, and we were called the just for laughs comedy review and from that we started doing these comedy contests and I saw how good the people were and then I had I, taken Second City class and got in 1980 before that. Um, my father uh, used to say, hey, Wayne and Schuster is on. You got to come watch it. Or here's the Ed Sullivan show. Look who's on it. Look at these guys are Canadian. I remember that very distinctly. I would have been, I don't know, seven years old. And Wayne and Schuster did their uh, Julius Caesar uh, sketch uh, it's about a private investigator trying to find out who killed Julius Caesar. So that was when I thought, hey, Canada's really important. We're on the same show that, you know, the Beatles were launched in North America. So it became that there was a certain legitimacy to it. And my father had a terrific sense of humor. So we, we laughed at things and, and my brother David and sister Sherry and Susie, we laughed and we would do our own sketches at home. So I always, always loved comedy, you know, and then I opened my club and then it burned down in a fire. I came to Toronto and that's the past. That's my love of comedy. And I loved SCTV. And I, 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 you know, I, I even watched this thing called McGee and company with Michael McGee. And not a lot of people will know about it, but he did a character called Fred C Dobbs. But when he had his own show on TV Ontario, he did all the characters. Now, all that footage is lost. TVO lost it. And when I grew up, there was a, um, a show in Ottawa called Uncle Willie and Floyd uh, with Les Sly and Bill Luxton. And all that material is gone. It was lost in a fire. So the past is being lost. I love comedy. I went down in Ottawa with a bunch of friends because Jimmy J.J. Walker was performing at a club called Hiccups on Rideau Street. And uh, there was a MC by the name of Mike McDonald. And we watched the show and we all left and said that Mike McDonald guy was great. Fast forward about 20 years or 15 years, I'm going down to the Laugh Resort in Toronto to see Gilbert Gottfried and my friend, Mike Wilmot is uh, opening up for him. At the end, I stood at the door as the people walked down the stairs. And almost everybody was going, oh, he was okay. But that guy, Mike Wilmot, he's hilarious. It was at that point, um, I thought, you know, none of this makes sense to me. Why the Canadians now in comedy are great. They used to be great and recognized around the world. I mean, starting, uh, you know, silent film comedy, Max Sennett, you know, in the the early 1900s, you know. We have this tradition in the first and second, first and second world wars. the first world war, the dumbbells were the biggest hit, they ended up taking their show from the trenches to Broadway.
0: (laughs) A rags to riches story.
2: Yeah, so it's, 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 it's unbelievable. So I'm I'm going, this does not make sense. Is there a Canadian comedy award? And I started looking it up and then I opened a television company uh, with some friends. And I said, you know, I'm, I I think we should do the Canadian comedy hall of fame and the uh, Canadian comedy awards for, you know, other people, you know, who are starting out or recognize some of the television, some of their live performances, the stand up, the sketch, the improv, there has to be recognition because the people are so good. And so we started that in 2000 and um, I thought, sponsors and networks would be jumping hand like competing
0: yeah to
2: get this on the
0: air a national hall of fame right like a national like walk of fame it's all those right it's and it's a national thing
2: so but but you know um i was young and naive and i you know had to learn a lot there's dues to be paid so you fast forward from 2000 to um we worked on it and then we tried to we said well if it wasn't going to be recognition from people if we build it, like the W.P. Kinsella quote from Field of Dreams, and he's Canadian, by the way, from Edmonton.
0: My favorite, Shula's Joe, one of my favorite books. On book. yeah, yeah, it's a great yeah. book. Yeah. yeah.
2: So if, if we build it, they'll come. So we started uh, investing money in um, business plans from some of the big museum build companies in, in the world. One of them is in Canada called Cubic International. And they told us, you know, where it should go, how to market it, what it should be. Uh, we hired a creative director who um, went gung-ho and did these designs. And then uh, we found out that they were going to be doing a um, development at Woodbine Racetrack in Toronto, a huge development. Uh, a company out of uh, Baltimore called the Cordish Group, who had come, pioneered a thing called the Live District, where they would go near entertainment venues and create a whole live district to, to expand mm-hmm. it with restaurants and shops right and all, they did the um, baltimore waterfront there's
0: one in l uh, las vegas there's there's a bunch of them around out. an arena or a venue right there's usually yes. like a, a main hub venue around these yeah yeah so they pioneered
2: it and they came to us and we were going to be their good news story at the woodbine development that never happened there was a bit of a crash in 2008 um so they decided not to do it and the dream was dead. Then um, there was a certain fight for casinos that was going on that everybody wanted a casino downtown, and people didn't want it downtown. And anybody to build a casino found out about us and said, Hey, we want to attach you to us. So we have a good news story. We're doing mm-hmm. the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. Yeah. So that didn't work out so well. And then we um, actually settled and, and raised a bunch of money, and we're going to build a permanent home in Niagara Falls. Uh, and then Uh, For a a number of different reasons, that didn't work out in the end. Um, And uh, I was very disheartened uh, and uh, just stopped. I stopped until about two years ago. um, I remember some advice I had gotten from Mark Breslin and from um, some people who are engaged in lobbying efforts, you know, legitimate Mm -hmm. people, uh, people who help run political campaigns. And they had all told me, why don't you make this a charity? And I said, I don't want to compete against cancer for money. Right. Yep. And they would always say, do you not think the appreciation and the joy of laughter helps people? And it never dawned on me that way until, you know, we, we get in the pandemic got nothing to do my my project that I was working on in in South Africa you know ended when the pandemic started I came back to Canada and I said you know what maybe the time is right now right now we open up a charity and we start this hall of fame so I um proceeded to take all the legal entanglements with past license fees and arrangements and clean them up and then I went and um, asked some people to be on the board of directors. Kenny Robinson, um, an old friend I used to do comedy with, and, and he's a great guy, and a solid supporter of Canadian comedy. Uh, his agent, Catherine McCartney, has you know been involved in, in comedy for forever and knows a lot of people in Los Angeles. She joined the board. Uh, Rick Wharton, who um, was in Second City, who was a part of the original movement in 2000 when we tried to do the Hall of Fame. Um, Jim slowtech who's been a reporter who's covered comedy since I was in Ottawa. He used to cover it uh, way back when, like in the early 80s. He's been a big and, and is like a historian. He knows so much about
0: it. Right. Yeah. Uh,
2: so we developed the board. Uh, we've applied. We, you know, put out not for profit, applied for our, our charity status and, and started working on a website. And but it, that's a long answer to the story of sitting around watching Wayne and Schuster on Ed Sullivan with my
0: dad. So, And lots of momentum right now for the hall of fame, which is really exciting. You talked about the lost uh, footage of, of some of those shows that you watched as a kid. Can you just talk about the, the, the three, we've discussed this before, the three pillars of the hall of fame, one of them being to preserve Canadian comedy.
2: You know, when you're trying to get a, a, a hall of fame, it's not just to have a party once a year. The main or the, the main pillar of, of having a Hall of Fame is to preserve and protect and archive um, what might be lost over time. Um, there's not a lot of people who, when you say Beatrice Lilly, would know that she was a bigger star and more people knew who she was in, in the world than knew that Canada existed. Yeah, so it's it's mind boggling and her work and what happened to it and pictures and everything they go or people, they become proprietary. Our desire as a charity is to try to get as many of these clips, old Wayne and Schuster shows, the Frankenstein the Hart and Michael's uh, Comedy Hour, Lorne Michael's first show on CBC, try to get this stuff and get rights to it so people can have access to it. So that's the first pillar is to pre- preserve and protect and what has gone in the past. And then to try it, to celebrate and promote is, is hand in hand with that, to celebrate and participate, su- celebrate as Canadians, how
0: good we are. It's, it's funny. It's, um, it's not Canadian nature. It's not in the nature of Canadians to celebrate ourselves. Right? It, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We've agreed. talked about that a lot here. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's it's very difficult. For example, when we did the show in uh, uh, two thousand, uh, I got in touch with Mike Myers and they said, "I need a celebrity to to talk about these people." He says, "I'll do it. I'll fly up from Los Angeles to Toronto. Let's do it next week." Yeah, I'm in. I want. I want. And he does these glorious tributes to um, you know the Air Force and Rich Little because it's easier for Canadians to talk about somebody else.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: And uh, used to, I used to always say that, uh, being from Ottawa, that uh, Paul Anka is from Ottawa and he wrote the song My Way. So read the lyrics, you know. <laughs> but it's, 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 uh, it's a weird uh, phenomenon. But we want to celebrate and promote. And we're hoping that by celebrating and promoting the past and, and recent, I mean, you know, Dan Aykroyd's, everybody knows who he is, but that SCTV footage it's stored. It's somewhere. We want to make sure that it's protected and and, and the props and uh, what happened to them. I mm-hmm. mean, the Air Force, air Force had the donut shop set, the, the Air Force cannon, these things. CBC got rid of them all.
0: That's wild. I remember taking a tour as a kid of the CBC building and, and walking through that donut shop and seeing the cannon. And I, I mean, that's what got me interested in kind of like entertainment, broadcasting, that whole thing is seeing that as a kid going through a tour and just the little things like, you know, the sketch, um, where they were, uh, where the guy's constantly pouring sugar into his coffee. Yes. Um, and they're like, it's not coffee, it's Coca-Cola. So it dissolves and it doesn't. And I was like, those little things as minor as that is, that is always stuck in my head. Um, you know, as being, as just, you know, and having that experience as, I was probably 12 or 13 and being able to see something and then go home and watch it on TV. Right. Well,
2: it's, it's, it's phenomenal that, so you have the um, preservation and archiving and recording. You have the celebration and the promotion by acknowledging bodies of work of great people, uh, creators or performers, uh, legacy going back in time to find out little hidden gems of people who did stuff that nobody knew about. Uh, you know, guys like Alan Thick getting people involved in, in Los Angeles to help their careers, all kinds of stories, mm-hmm. there's all kinds of them. And that's what we want to celebrate and promote. And then we want to educate. For example, you talk about that donut shop set, what our initial uh, research showed that putting something behind a glass case is, is, is fine for walking by. But to get people on a set, so we toured the Great White North set, and people couldn't stay off it. Mm-hmm. They wanted to dress up, they wanted to sit in the set and have that experience. We even got Dave Thomas to explain in video what the people should do to make a successful um, uh, Great White North presentation. That's great, and it's it's hilarious. Like his, it's a hilarious clip that he that he does. You know, telling people that you have to clear your mind, you have to be <laughs> totally blank because they just went in at the end of the day to record this uh, two minute section because they needed more time for the American broadcast or the Canadian broadcast. I'm not sure which, but there was two minutes difference in commercial right. advertising at the time. Uh, so you talk about the donut shop set, you know, uh, you know, have people go in into it and record their own touch and feel like, a, uh, be a part of it. Um, so we have a, like a full plan for a, um, um, Full interactive experience. We call it Canadian comedy experience. You know, we we spent you know ten years researching it and uh, doing all kinds of feasibility studies and what it should be and how it should work and golden tickets with totally immersive experiences. Um, so that's already been done, and now we're saying, okay, that's great, but how do we build the integrity? How do we get the industry involved? How do we get Canadians to say, you know what? I think a Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame is a good thing. I think we should be proud mm-hmm. of making the world laugh, especially now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? For the for like a young person going uh, to the Hall of Fame to see these sets, you know, it's not these big grand uh, things that make people get into comedy or entertainment. It's 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 a little thing like walking on a walking on a set for a first time, right? Yeah, um, and what. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead, sorry no go Just ahead, go ahead. We,
2: we had one, We we test marketed something else was called the interactive stand-up stage. A lot of people are afraid to what what's it like to go up on a stand-up stage? So we had that experience where you walked on this little stage, the lights got on, you heard people having drinks and talking in the background. you hear a little bit of an announcement of your name. the mic's on, you start talking. if 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 you generate laughs, um, uh, you know if you, the tone of your voice the, the computer can hear if it's positive if you're confident and laughs come out and you hear them and, or people get louder the crowd noise get louder and and people you know get off and it was an That's interactive awesome. experience so you could experience that and um because everybody wants their moment mm-hmm. the world is social media tell, has taught us one thing everybody wants their moment
0: everybody wants their five minutes, yeah. whatever it is. They want that feeling, right? What's yeah. next for the hall of fame? We, we were just going through, um, kind of the rollout for the, for the nominees list, um, before, before we hopped on and started doing this and, and what that looks like. So kind of what, what does it look like for the hall next year to, to six months? Um,
2: planning for a major festival to induct these people, um, making sure we can stream those activities to the world, uh, uncensored, um, then um, working on a few more exhibits and collecting archives and then touring that across Canada
0: that's awesome thanks a lot for your time today Tim and thanks for uh thanks for having me involved this has been this has been great I'm uh I'm really excited to see where this can go for the for the Hall of Fame and well
2: it's fantastic that you know we're in a vacuum um, one of our board members uh Mladen Reykjavik from uh, Google suggested that we bring on somebody to handle some of this because you know i'm not a spring chicken or spring rooster and um, somebody who understands it and gets it and you certainly have done that and uh doing an amazing job and it's great working with you
0: uh, I appreciate the opportunity, Tim. It's been uh, it's been a really exciting couple months, and I, I can't wait to see where it goes. There it is. That's it. That's episode two. A little microphone issues there with the Tim Progosh interview, but that's okay. We're learning. We're getting through this. It's only episode two. So much more great content, so many more great people to talk to uh, coming up in this podcast. And look out for those nominees. They're going to be coming out very soon in the next few weeks. You're going to see more and more information on facebook twitter instagram TikTok, all the social medias special thanks to rob cohen rob is an absolute legend here in canada please check out being canadian on cbc gem and all the other things rob has done also big big thanks to tim progosh for bringing me on board and let me do this he's the man who who hired me and got and got me started on this podcast train so so it's awesome to have him on an absolute incredible mind for canadian comedy tim has um He's always great. Don't forget to check out CanadianComedyHall.com Sign up, become a founding member Those nominee lists are coming out real soon and you're definitely going to want to be a voting member and decide who gets in the hall this year It's all very exciting Thanks again for listening to the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast I'm Chad Noonan